Come on, give him one more praise. Hallelujah. It's the power in the blood. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. You may be seated. As you're being sat down, look at somebody and shake their hand and tell them you're glad to have them in the house of the Lord this morning. What a wonderful presence of the Lord that we're experiencing here today, already in worship. We've had a great real men's rally. I want to thank our associate pastor, Randy West, for all the work. Can you give him a great big hand of putting all that together and all the staff? Friday night, Brother Hughes just brought the house down. And then Brother Randy came by and gave his vision of Real Men's Rally. And we just had a mighty move of God. And on Friday night, amen, we had 17 men that recommitted their lives and gave their life to Jesus Christ. Can you give the Lord praise for that? Hallelujah. Great things are happening. The God's on the move. As um, Brother Hughes is no stranger to most of you. Some of you that are new, you've never heard him preach. He's a personal friend of mine, one of my best friends. We've uh, been able to break bread one with another quite often. And we broke bread so much one time we put him in the hospital. And <laughs> ate too much. But uh, we, we've uh, known each other for several, several years. He served in many capacities in our church and our denomination. I'm not going to give all the boards and the titles and all that. He's not into all that. That ain't who he is. But we love him so much. He presently is uh, serving as our state administrative bishop, our state overseer in um, Phoenix, Arizona area. They live in Phoenix and we miss them because they're so far. We only get to talk long distance and used to, we used to get together more often. But we're glad to have him here. But before he comes, it is such a delight. She does not get to travel everywhere he goes. But his lovely wife, Abigail, who's a mighty woman of God, a preacher herself, and a singer, and a, one of the greatest Christian ladies you'll ever meet in your life. Abigail, would you just stand and let the people see you and welcome her? Oh, she's a, she's a princess. And it was such a joy to be able to have her to come with him. She keeps him in line a little bit, you know. And you put me and him together and we got trouble. So Jenny and her have her hands full with us. But would you welcome to our pulpit this morning, Brother Ray, uh, Shay Hughes, I almost called him Ray Hughes. Shay Hughes. Wow. If you'll remain standing with me, if you're able for the reading of the word, I'm about to get in it. And I feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. Psalms 100 declares to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, to serve the Lord with gladness, to come into his presence with singing, to know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, to be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. But David didn't stop there. He would wrap up this book of Psalms by saying this in Psalms 150. He said, go ahead and praise God in his sanctuary. In the fervent of his power, for his mighty acts, 
according to his excellent greatness to praise him on the sounding of the trumpet which we've already done this morning on the psaltery and the harp on the stringed instruments and the organs and get this even in the tremble and the dance to praise him on the high sounding cymbals to praise him on the loud sounding cymbals to let everything that hath breath praise the name of the Lord and that means if you woke up this morning and you went you got a reason to give God praise can we take about 10 seconds and just fill this palace with praise this morning it is in your name it is in your DNA to praise him right here in this palace father we worship you for this day and we praise you I'm going to ask you as you're standing to turn them in your Bibles to the book of Matthew 3. I think they're going to put this up on the screen. And I just want to say again, it was such an honor to be back home here. And this is home for Abigail and I. And we had the honor of serving here as State Youth Director for four years. And this is a very special platform for me. Some of the messages that would go on with me throughout my ministry, some of them were preached for the first time on this platform. As a matter of fact, there was a time that I would basically, anything I had new, I'd come try it out on y'all just to see how it went. And if it worked, then we'd use it. I say that because this platform has been a real place of development for Shea Hughes. And for me to be able to come back here and to be here is just very undeserved privilege. And I'm very honored for that. And I... I want you to know how much I love Pastor Kent and Jenny. And let's give them a hand this morning. A testimony. A testimony to the longevity of ministry. And I know it for a fact. He's had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But he was called to be here. And when you look around at this church, all you can say is, Look at what the Lord has done. I've been privileged to be connected to it since 2006. We've had good times. Man, we, like Kent said, that's a true story. They almost took my life on a trip with them one time. Kent and Josh Reasons and Wayne Kinsey and Junior Law, and I didn't realize that we were going to get into a feeding frenzy, and I didn't tell them that I had a little medical issue I was dealing with, and uh, I come back home and end up having to go to the doctor, and... Uh, doctor come in and said we're going to have to put you in the hospital for a few days and I said I'm not calling my wife to tell her this you're going to have to call her so he calls Abigail tells her we're going to, have to admit him for a few days and he looked at me he's like what happened and I just sat there and he said did you have a pretty big weekend I said real big real big but I love all these people and I love you and I, I'm just so honored to be here this morning I'm going to be reading this scripture last summer I went through the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And I had just been with you, just flew here. I was here for Lane Reason's funeral and went back home and I, I went in to have what was supposed to be a routine medical procedure that absolutely went everything but routine. And it turned in very quickly to a, a life-threatening event. I uh, just about bled to death, had to have an emergency surgery. And I'm not going to get into the gory details, but it was one of them, it was one of those grown-up surgeries. It, it was one of those surgeries that you are in the bed for 12 weeks after surgery, surgeries. And I lost my whole summer. Um, everywhere I was scheduled to be that summer, my wife had to call place after place to cancel. 
and uh, just went into depression, not understanding why this had happened, why this had taken place. And I'd come out of this surgery and had lost 60 pounds. I was down to about 170 pounds and, you know, just at really the lowest point physically I believe I've ever been in my life. And I'll never forget, I, would, I was only about three weeks out of surgery. I had just been walking. I'd been bed fast for so long, and I'd just been walking for about a week. And, and I got a phone call from our general overseer in his office, and they said, we want you to preach Friday night at the General Assembly. And they were fully aware of my medical condition, and they said, can you do this? And, of course, I'm not going to say no to that. And I um, did not know how I could do it. I was not in a physical condition to do it. Um, I was in, ex I can't tell you the pain that I was in. I I'll be straight up honest with you. I was so heavily medicated to keep the pain level down, to keep my blood pressure from going up, to cause a life-threatening event. And I'll never forget that night walking up on that platform at the assembly and praying, God, I cannot do this tonight without you. And I'll never forget the word that God gave me as I walked up on that platform. He said, tonight, my strength's going to be made perfect in your weakness. And as I walked out on that platform, I felt like a sailboat. And I had the hurricane from heaven behind me. And I felt the wind of the Holy Spirit coming. And myself and Johnny Ziegler, who's been here many times, one of my very close friends in this world, and a couple others preached that night. I only got to do an excerpt, but tonight, to this morning, I want to finish that message right here at the Palace of Praise Church. And I've come this morning with a word. And I hope you come to get it because I come to bring it this morning. And we're going to read this together. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Look at your neighbor and say, Judea. There's something special about Judea. And saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. I'm getting ready to pray, but before I do, I want to talk to you this morning on this subject that I've entitled, A Church on a Mission. I'm going to take it a step further. Palace of Praise on a Mission. Look at your neighbor and say, You're on a mission. That's why COVID couldn't take you out, because you're on a mission. That's why the devil tried to discourage you with that doctor's report, because you're on a mission. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to declare, thus saith the Lord. I thank you to stand here as a testimony that you're still a healer. You're still a deliverer. You're still a miracle worker. You're still a way maker. And this morning, I pray that you would anoint me in spite of me, in spite of my past, in spite of all those things that make me human. Anoint me to deliver, thus saith the Lord. Let it not be one word out of my mouth, but let me be the mouthpiece for your precious Holy Spirit this morning. Anoint me not only to deliver, but anoint your people to receive and we will be sure to declare in concert it is not by might not by power but it is only by your spirit says the Lord in the magnificent name of your son Jesus amen give Jesus a hand clap as you're seated this morning 
we give this worship team a hand this morning? Incredible worship. I want to talk to you this morning on this subject that I've entitled Church on a Mission. And I want to start out by telling you that as incredible and as powerful as the preachers are of our generation, preachers like Oral Roberts, Billy Graham, preachers like Catherine Coleman, one of the authorities on the power of the Holy Spirit, preachers like Amy Simple McPherson, who was the matriarch and the mother of the Foursquare Church. Preachers like early tent revivalists like A.A. Allen, who headquartered his headquarters in our backyard in Arizona. Preachers like Jack Ho. There were preachers in the early days of the, when they were doing the tent revivals, Jack Coe had the record of the largest number of people ever assembled under a tent. As a matter of fact, he had a revival going that began to have such an impact on the city, they began to shut down all the liquor stores because people quit buying it. They started to shut down all the nightclubs and the bars and the Chamber of Commerce said, we're going to have to get rid of Jack. And so they showed up to a meeting one night that Jack Coe was having, and that night Jack was preaching on a divine healer. He wasn't as much preaching about the healing itself as much as the one who performs the healing. And Jack had a healing line that many that were there that documented that said the healing line was over one mile long of people waiting to come through to be healed. There were so many people that were healed that night at that tent revival. The police showed up. They put handcuffs on Jack Coe and they charged him for practicing medicine without a license that night underneath that tent. He was a powerful preacher. Men in modern days like Rod Parsley and the list goes on and on and as powerful as the preachers are of our generation, honey, there ain't nobody that could preach like John the Baptist could. The forerunner, a powerful evangelist, an anointed speaker. When John the Baptist opened up his mouth and spoke a word, his words had power and authority in it. When John got in a place and started preaching, he would challenge the unbeliever and he would confront the religious. Let me just tell you, honey, if John got in a place and started preaching, honey, he would turn the place upside down. Multitudes came down to a river to hear John preach and he didn't even have a microphone. Multitudes came down to the river to hear John preach without any lights or a sound system. Multitudes came down to a river to hear John preach and he didn't have a Facebook account. Multitudes came down to a river, not a cathedral, not a conference center, not a temple, not a sanctuary, but they came down to a riverbank to hear a man preach who had never heard of TikTok, never heard of Instagram, didn't have a flyer, a brochure, a radio broadcast, or a TV commercial. But one thing he did have was the authority to point his index finger through the masses and say, Behold the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. Oh, I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that John wasn't like a lot of our preachers out there today. John didn't have a red carpet ministry, John wasn't really concerned with taking selfies. John didn't need somebody to call him a bishop and escort him down to the front and treat him like a VIP and carry his water and cut his steak and mash his potatoes for him. John wasn't about self-promotion. 
John didn't have a website called JohnTheBaptistMinistries.com. As a matter of fact, Pastor, if John would have had a website, it'd have been something like GetRightOrGetLeft.com. Ready or not, here he comes.org. John didn't preach a lot like a lot of preachers preach today. John wasn't preaching and saying stuff like, for your love gift of $69.99, we will send you the miracle spring water in the mail. And for your love gift of $89.99, we will send you the miracle green handkerchief to put in your checkbook and all of your bills are going to be paid. Listen, John said it's not about me, but it is about he. For I truly baptize you with water under repentance, but there's coming one after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, and he shall be baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John wasn't preaching like a lot of guys today. John wasn't preaching messages like how to be a better friend at work. Really? John wasn't preaching a five-part series on how to be a good neighbor. John wasn't preaching about five steps to this and seven steps to that and ten steps to the other. But John was preaching about one step that would bring about a mighty change in your life. And that's to step up under the fountain that is filled with grace that flows from Emmanuel's veins. John wasn't preaching about clothes, cars, or money. John wasn't preaching about gold Rolexes, but he was preaching about a red blood that would flow from Calvary heal from a spotless lamb notice he said that blood it would not come from a democratic donkey that blood is not coming from a republican elephant that blood is not coming from main streets bull or wall streets bear but it would come from a spotless lamb that was slain for the foundation of the world is there anybody in here besides me that's just thankful for the blood of jesus something extraordinary it is with this message that God breaks 400 years of prophetic silence between the book of Malachi book 39 and the book of Matthew book 40 listen don't get on we don't need to get on 40 in here for those of y'all at the real men rally, listen, we get on 40, we won't get off of it. God has not spoken for 400 years. And when God gets ready to speak, I want to tell you something. For those of you that work in management, you work in corporate settings, you have to have a lot of meetings. I do that. Pastor does that. And when I get in a meeting, it's not the one that does all the talking I'm worried about. 
It's the one that's quiet. Because, see, you don't ever know what they're thinking. And so God has been silent. And when somebody's been quiet and they start speaking, you start listening to what they say. God has been silent for 400 years. God said, okay, I'm about to enter into a New Testament and I'm going to speak. And you, and, and you know the first thing he says is going to be the most important. Let me tell you what he did not say before I tell you what he said. He did not say you're never going to be sick again. He did not say you're going to have all the money in the world, you're never going to have a need, and all you got to do is just name it and claim it. He didn't say that. He didn't say you're going to live in houses you didn't build and possess lands and territories that you didn't have. God didn't say that. This is what he said. Repent. That's what the Bible says. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we love hearing messages on living good. We don't want to hear messages on having to live right. And John is on a mission. And his mission is to preach the gospel. Now you got to understand here at the Palace of Praise this morning that John's ministry was different than his father's and so was his message. John's father was of the priesthood, meaning he was temple trained and temple educated. John's father was a soft-spoken, candlestick lighting, incense burning, soft robe wearing priest. But John didn't know anything about that. John lived out in the woods. I believe John the Baptist was from Dudley, Missouri. That's Kent Miller. Pastor Kent Miller's the mayor of Dudley. He's a celebrity in Dudley. John didn't know anything about that. John wasn't temple trained. or John wasn't Lee University trained or Pentecostal seminary educated. John didn't have any candlesticks. John didn't have any incense. John didn't know anything about a soft robe. All John had was the mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost that operated in his life and in his ministry. John's pulpit wasn't in some elaborate temple on a hill with stained glass windows and marble floors like his father, but John's pulpit was in the middle of Jurassic Park. John's pulpit was a wood pile in the middle of a wild wilderness. And it was from that place that he preached about a repentance that would draw the hearts of the people back to God. It was from that place that he preached about a repentance that would draw the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It was from that place that he preached about a preparation that would prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And I've said all that to say this, there's some of you here this morning and you have found yourself in that place, that wilderness place, that dark place, that place of depression, that place of sickness, that place of loneliness. But God sent me all the way from Arizona right back home to Missouri to get an urgent message to somebody wrapped up in a fight in the wilderness. God said it's going to be in the places that you were hurt the worst that he's going to open up the windows of heaven and use you the most. You are a voice that's crying out in the wilderness and regardless of how crying 
anointed to preach the gospel, to fulfill the great commission, and to prepare the way of the Lord, and God's going to give you the power and the authority to do it. This word declares that in that day, his burden shall be taken off of thy shoulders, and his yoke from off of thy neck, and every yoke shall be broken. Not because of a man, not because of the what they wear, not because of the name of their church, but because of the anointing. Look at somebody tell them, the anointing breaks the yoke. Every yoke of sickness, every yoke of depression, every yoke of cancer, every yoke of addiction, every yoke of methamphetamines, every yoke of fentanyl, every yoke of alcoholism, every yoke of pornography, every yoke of macular degeneration, every yoke of heart disease, every yoke of diabetes shall be broken because of the anointing. And I've come to tell you that the anointing that God's placed on you is strong enough to break the bond that the devil's placed on them. 1 John 2, 27, but the anointing you have received from him abideth in you. I dare you to look at your neighbor and say, you better not sit too close to me this morning because I'm anointed. I'm anointed. I'm not going to be anointed, but I'm anointed right now. At this moment in my life, I am anointed for the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. What's John saying? He's saying let the storm clouds come but preach the gospel. Let the thunder roll but preach the gospel. Let Russia threaten the world with war but preach the gospel. Let the politicians try to overturn Roe versus Wade but preach the gospel. Let the LBGT march on Washington but preach the gospel. Let the Muslims do whatever they want to do but preach the gospel let COVID continue to spread but preach the gospel let the devil take his best shot but preach this gospel and they shall hear the truth and the truth shall make them free I wish somebody would give God a praise in this house praise him praise him up out of your belly praise him up out of your spirit Feel a Holy Ghost tsunami coming through popular blood. Oh my God. Oh God. John was on a mission. And 2,000 years later, the mission has not changed. Can I take it a step further? 2,000 years later, the message has not changed. And ladies and gentlemen, we have got to have some men and women of God that are not afraid to stand up and preach one more time. Is there anybody here in, that come from the old church? I ain't just talking about Knife and Cedar. I mean the old church. 
in the old church, listen, we used to preach hell so hot, pastor, you could feel the heat in your shoes. And we preached heaven so glorious, people were jumping the pews. And it's time that we open up our mouths and preach one more time and quit worrying about who's got the biggest church in town and quit worrying about who's going to sit in the temple in Cleveland and quit worrying about who's going to get to light the candlesticks and quit worrying about who's got the softest robe to wear. Hear me, my brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ is coming. The trumpet is getting ready to sound and he's calling for the redeemed of the Lord to stand up and to say so. coming I don't know if the mail's coming but one thing I do know is that Jesus Christ is coming again and there's a lot of people today that don't like to preach that anymore some within evangelical circles some within the Pentecostal church that do know, they no longer want to preach on the second coming of Jesus because if you know that he's coming, that means you got to be ready. They say they do not want to be part of a ministry or a gospel or a doctrine that teaches on the second coming or the rapture of the church, if you will. For they say, that the rapture of the church or the second coming of Jesus is nothing more than an illustration or a made-up story, kind of like a fairy tale. But I've come to the palace this morning to tell somebody. It is not some illustration. It is not some made-up story, and it's not some fairy tale. But one of these days, as sure as the rising of the sun, the sky is going to open, and the lion of the tribe of Judah is going to roar out of the heavens in power and in glory, just like he said that he would. John 14 said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Matthew 24, 27 declares this. He said, even as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Second Peter 3 and 10 said he's coming back and he's coming like a thief in the night. And 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 says the Lord himself himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord what am I saying I'm saying you better get your house right you better get your affairs in order because he's coming Jesus is coming the king is coming the bridegroom is coming And when he comes, then shall the kingdoms of this world, the, the Arab kingdom, the United Kingdom, the every financial kingdom shall be the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. John describes this. 
in Revelation 19 and 11 when he said, and I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress with the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But I'm so glad this morning at the palace of praise that John didn't put the pen down right there because if you get to Revelation 21 John said I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea and I John saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven as a bride prepared for her husband and I heard a great voice out of heaven that said behold the tabernacle of God is with men and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and he shall wipe away every tear from their eye and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying for the former things have passed away and he that sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new and he said right for these words are true and faithful and he said it is finished I am Alpha I'm Omega I'm the beginning I'm the end oh I'm talking about Jesus I didn't say Buddha I said Jesus Somebody help me. Praise the name of Jesus. 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 Lift your hands, oh ye gates, and be you lifted up the everlasting doors, and my king of glory shall come. And if we believe that, we got to preach that like we believe that. And I make this church this promise and I expect to be held to it. I, I may die in a plane crash on my way home. I don't know. But if I don't, I commit to this church, this message I'm preaching. I'm not just preaching it on the platform of the Palace of Praise. I'm about to preach it in five camp meetings this month. I preached at the General Assembly. I'm going to preach Pentecost. I'm going to preach holiness. I'm going to preach the second coming of Jesus Christ. If I'm the last one standing, I'm going to be the one to do it. We've got to preach it like we believe it. We've got to preach truth to power, ladies and gentlemen. I'll never forget, I was at my church in Bethalto, and I had a diverse congregation about, like, about the size of this one. And man, I had everybody from somebody that's homeless all the way. We had somebody in our, one of our elders running for governor. I had the CFO of Joyce Meyer Ministries. A lot of her employees attended my church. So we had a diverse congregation. And I'll never forget getting a phone call. Well, Abigail got a phone call from the state capitol. The governor's office called. And the governor asked, could Pastor Hughes come and open our Senate meeting with prayer? 
And the elder that was running for governor had told us, you know, been, they were going back and forth, had a big issue, couldn't get the budget passed, all these things. And so they had called and asked if I could come pray. So Abigail walks in my office, said, the governor's office calls, wants to know if you'll come open. Senate and prayer such and such a date, will you do it? And I said, on one condition. And, you know, she gave me that wife, roll your eyes look. <laughs> like, this ain't, this is the governor calling. I said, here's the condition, I'll go pray, but I'm only going to pray in one name. And if I can pray in the name of Jesus, I'll do it. But if I can't pray in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to do it. So Abigail said, he said he'd come, but he's going to have to pray in the name of Jesus. So secretary said, let me go ask the governor. So she goes in there. Governor comes back and said, he can pray in the name of Jesus all he wants to. So I walk up in that capital and Pastor Kent, if I said the name of Jesus one time, I had to have said his name 72 times in that Senate chamber. I said him the magnificent name of Jesus. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. We are overcomers by the power of Jesus. We are saved, delivered, and healed by the power of Jesus. We are Holy Ghost baptized by the power of Jesus. There there is no name under heaven whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. And we've got to preach truth to power. We've got to be like John the Baptist and walk up and look into the face of a backslidden King Herod and say, King, to walk out of your house and to walk into your brother's house and to steal your brother's wife and take her back to your house, it is a sin, it is wrong, it is adultery, it is fornication. We have got to have some people that are gonna tell the truth. Hear me. And I don't want you to assume that I'm, I'm, I'm saying that you take this for granted. I'm not saying that, but I wanna reinforce this point. Ladies and gentlemen, you have something special at this church. I do a lot of traveling. Let me tell you something. Not all churches are like the palace. A lot of churches you go to nowadays, you don't hear about the power anymore. You don't hear about the Holy Ghost anymore. You definitely don't hear about the blood anymore. Because people don't want to offend anyone. Heaven forbid someone of power, money, or influence. They don't want to scare somebody so they have to create a safe place in their church. You don't hear about it anymore. All you hear about is weakness. Everybody wanting to sympathize with our sins. Because in the United States of America today, we don't want a pastor. What we really want is a doctor feel good. Doctor, feel good. Because see, we want to hear messages that make us feel good. And we got pastors right now standing in pulpits all over the United States of America that are approaching the pulpit in fear, afraid to preach the truth because they're afraid their people won't come back next week. And they got a building payment to make. Feel like they got to entertain people with the right music or they don't want to come back next week. And we got, you know, some of those other people the other ones, you know, they're the bless me Jesus but don't mess with me Jesus crowd. And they're walking around in a fence, supposedly born again in spirit field. But walking around in fence talking, a fence talking and this is how they talk. 
Well, I don't like that pastor anyway. And I don't know why in the world he said that. Somebody told him what I've been doing all week long because I know the Holy Ghost didn't reveal that to him. And I'm going to tell you something else. He never did come see me in the hospital. I didn't tell him I was in the hospital, but the Holy Ghost should have told him. And you don't even want me to get on his wife. She ain't never shook my hand not one time. I ain't never shook her hand, but she sure ain't never come over here to me. And don't even get me started on that youth pastor. They ain't never asked my teenager to do one thing. I don't ever bring them to church, but they don't ever ask them to do anything. And they never ask my child in that children's ministry being anything. I never bring them to church, but they don't ever ask them to be anything. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'm not going to put not one more red dime of my tithe in that palace of praise church. Well, let me tell you something this morning. This word declares that if this thing be of God, it will stand and this church is going to make it whether they support it or not. Because God's got a remnant of people. God's got a church within a church. God's got a Shadrach, a Meshach, and an Abednego or not what tell me the truth if it hurts me tell me the truth if it makes me cry tell me the truth don't let me walk around here like I'm saved when I'm really on my way to hell I need somebody under the anointing of the Holy Ghost to stand up say it like it is quit trying to water it down and declare thus saith the Lord we gotta preach it even if they get up and go to the church down the street. We got to preach it even if they quit paying their tithe. We got to preach it even if they get offended and go home. We have got to have some Holy Ghost-filled men and women who are willing to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. I refuse to let methamphetamines and fentanyl destroy Poplar Bluff High School. Enough is enough. I refuse to let the devil destroy my marriage. Enough is enough. I refuse to bow down to this death sentence and this doctor's report of doom and gloom. Enough is enough. I refuse to let the LBGT define this generation. Enough is enough. Hear me. I refuse to let somebody stand up in my face, look me in the eye, and say I'm a bigot because I still believe it's wrong for a man to go into a women's restroom and target. Enough is enough. I refuse to let somebody call me a homophobe because I still believe it's wrong for two men to walk into a church and get married. Enough is enough. I refuse to tell, let somebody tell me that I discriminate against women because I still believe abortion is wrong. Enough is enough. Listen, I'm not a bigot. I'm not a homophobe. But let me tell you what I am. I'm a blood washed sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled preacher of the gospel that's drawn a line in a sand. The church of God is a mighty army and we are on a mission. I need the music to come back. I gotta land this plane. 
touch your neighbor and say you're on a mission. That's why the devil couldn't kill you. Because you're on a mission. That's why COVID couldn't take you out. Because you're on a mission. That's why you haven't overdosed yet on the addiction. Because you're on a mission. That's why you're paying your bills and you don't know how. Because you're on a mission. That's why your kids are still living. Because you're on a mission. That's why you can't quit. That's why you can't throw in the towel. That's why you can't give up. Because God said it ain't over yet. God's about to use you like you've never been used before. Just like John the Baptist. He's getting ready to step into your wilderness. Is there anybody in here, and I'm almost done, besides me, that's ever had God just step in? You didn't know how you were going to pay the bill. But God stepped in. Your marriage was irreconcilable. And it was falling apart, but God just stepped in. You got a bad report from the doctor, but God just stepped in. Listen, I know I made some messes, but he stepped in. I know I made went the wrong direction, but he stepped in. I should have been in jail. But he stepped in. I should have lost my marriage. But he stepped in. And listen, that's why I got to praise him in here this morning. Because he stepped in. And I want to warn you this morning. If you're sitting next to somebody that's ever had God step in, honey, they're liable to jump up and lift up their hands and shout at the drop of a hat and drop their own hat to do it. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, into this this war our declaration today is not a declaration of war because the battle's not ours the battle belongs to the Lord ours is a declaration of faith 14 articles crafted by the forefathers of this movement known as the church of God 
And it is upon this faith that we stand today. And we can say unequivocally, I still believe. I still believe. In a world of crises, I still believe. In a time of war with Russia, I still believe. When the LBGT is trying to steal your children, I still believe. And somebody said, well, preacher, what is it you believe in? I'm glad you asked. We believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. We believe in one God, eternally existing in three persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, that Jesus was crucified, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he ascended to heaven and is seated at the Father as the intercessor. We believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and repentance is necessary for the forgiveness of sin. We believe in justification and regeneration and the new birth wrought by faith in the blood of Jesus. We believe in sanctification and the new birth wrought by faith in the blood of Jesus through the word and by the Holy Ghost. We still believe that holiness is God's standard of living for his people. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost subsequent to a clean heart. We still believe in speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance and that it is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe in divine healing as provided for in the atonement. We believe in the Lord's Supper and the washing of saints' feet. We believe in the premillennial second coming of Jesus Christ first to resurrect the righteous dead and to catch the living saints to meet him in the air and secondly to reign over the earth for a thousand years and finally we believe in the bodily resurrection eternal life for the righteous eternal punishment for the wicked if you believe it too let me hear your war cry this morning We're getting ready to pray. As the music plays softly, in conclusion, John is in the middle of the wilderness. But I want you to notice, he's not just in any wilderness. He's not in a wilderness in Dudley. He's not in a wilderness in Poplar Bluff or Sykeston. But he's in the wilderness of Judea. Judea, the New Testament Greek word coming from the Hebrew Aramaic word Judah. And in the Bible, the word Judah means praise. When Leah had the baby, she said, I'm going to take this with Judah, which means we shall praise the Lord. In the Bible, the word Judah means praise. And what John didn't realize, he was in a position of play, praise. John was in a place of praise. And I've come to tell somebody at the palace this morning that that wilderness that you're in, honey, it ain't nothing more than a praise break opportunity to lift up your hands and give God the praise. And I know there's a lot of people that don't understand why we shout the way we shout and dance the way that we dance. But I 
say to them, if you'd have saw where he brought me from, you'd praise him too. If you'd have saw me dying last summer, laying in the bed, but I made it by the grace of God. Excuse me if I dance on the platform and run in the parking lot because there's a story behind Judah. There's a story behind my praise. There's a sacrifice behind my praise. If you're here and you need prayer right now, come. If you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you need a miracle in your life, I want you to come now. Some of you are here and you're on a mission. And that's why the devil's tried to kill you. Because he wants to stop the mission. Kayla, come here. I got a dear friend here this morning. Come here, Kayla. Abigail, come up here. Love this girl right here. When I was here from 2006 to 10, one of our faithful workers at Youth Camp, Kayla has been given a terminal diagnosis from her doctor. And I still believe he's a healer. We're going to pray for her today. And if you will allow me to, Pastor, I just want to be obedient to the Lord. If you're here this morning, I feel this in my heart. If you need healing, will you just come and let us pray for you this morning? I don't know who you are. I'm not a prophet. But I do know this. He is a healer. He's a miracle worker. And if you're here this morning, we're going to pray for Kayla. But if you need healing in your body, whatever it is, maybe it's physical, could be emotional healing, any way, shape, or form, I want you to come right here.